Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another week of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I am joined by Tom Peavy, as we have a shortened edition of the show once again on this Monday, as Borgard High School basketball will be coming up around 5 o'clock today, so we're getting off the air around 4.30 or shortly thereafter. So again, another shortened show on this Monday. I believe we'll have another one on Thursday of this week as well, so keep that in mind. Uh, So only with you for about an hour and a half today. On this Monday, of course, we will review the events in Starkville, Mississippi on Saturday as Auburn dropped its second consecutive basketball game, second consecutive game on the road to Mississippi State, 64-58. to So we'll review that one and gauge... Uh, just the proper level of, uh, of attention to uh, this basketball team and where they stand right now. Uh, of course, every Monday we always get to best and worst of the weekend, so we'll try to do that by the end of the show. Also, uh, if we have time, get a few words in on these conference championship games from this past weekend between the Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens and Kansas City Chiefs as it is the Chiefs and 49ers headed to Super Bowl 58, so we have time. We will break those down for you as well. And, of course, as always, we'd love to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you'd like to give us a call today in the shortened show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan and Tom with you here on this Monday. And, Tom Peavy, good to see you again, sir. Last time I saw you, we were all very much in agony hmm. at the end of the Wacky Wednesday. On Wednesday, we all have recovered and are back and I hope that you had a great weekend and are well on this Monday. Uh, yeah. Uh, I survived the wings even after uh, everything we got off the air. So uh, that was fun. A lot of fun with that. But uh, uh, weekend, I mean, personally, weekend was good. I mean, filled with work and all. But uh, uh, not a good weekend for uh, for Auburn sports. Uh, really not a good week. Um, I mean, you look at the, you know, losing Ryan Williams. Uh, big time recruit there, losing basketball game, back to back basketball games. Then uh, you got the stuff with the tennis team, the women's tennis team, with the coaches uh, suddenly getting let go. Uh, our guy Travon Reed, very happy for Travon that that he accepted that job, but still such a all brutal, brutal loss to to the community and you know to the team. You know, I completely understand why he would leave to go take an on the field job at Central Florida, but man, that's that one stings um, with the work that he did here. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, with Auburn right now, you're just, you're trying to find some good, and it has not been a lot of good over the last week and over the weekend. So, uh, hopefully, things will get turned around this week. There's a basketball game here in Neville that should get the men back on the right track. 
should yes. and uh maybe give give the folks something to cheer about um i guess there is some things to cheer about though with auburn i mean you look at the the recruiting stuff uh i i saw a thing where auburn is like has the most five stars for the 2024 class uh out of any other team in the country uh Cam Coleman was, I guess, officially named the number three overall recruit in the country, so that's big time. So, I mean, there's stuff out there. Um, there's, a, there's a little more to it than the wins and losses, so uh, you, you just kind of got to take the take the bad with the good or the good with the bad, however you want to look at it. But overall, been a good weekend. Well, and, I mean, we're coming up on it. We're just a week or two away from the batted ball sports returning, which is going to be a lot yeah. of fun. It's all and, baseball. And a lot of expectations for uh, Auburn, uh, ranked in the top 25. Something that usually doesn't happen for Auburn. Uh, they're usually the team that comes from nobody thinking about them, uh, pick, you know, below middle of the pack or even down towards the, you know, bottom of the conference. And they always surge and, and surpass expectations. This year they're actually preseason top 25. Uh, a lot of big expectations. Uh, a lot of fans excited to get to Plainsman Park and see all the new stuff uh, <clears throat> with all the seating behind home plate and the new student area that they that they were building. Uh, obviously, they have not done the stuff on top of the Green Monsters stuff down the right field line. That's coming next year, but they've they've done the renovations and done a lot of stuff, and uh, you've got some of the top players coming back on this team and uh, big time expectations. So, uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of good stuff going on. Like I said, they, right now there's been a little rough patch with some losses and some coaching things and this, that, and the other. But, uh, you know, there's, there's better stuff out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, It's not all doom and gloom. It, it is not. Uh, and I, I personally had a great weekend. I was up in Birmingham on Sunday for UAB Memphis, so I'll, that will definitely be included in my best of the weekend. But let's get going with, uh, of course, the breakdown of Auburn and Mississippi State. On Saturday, and look, sometimes the old adage that it's never as good as you think it is and never bad as you think it is uh, comes into play, and that's certainly one of these weeks for the Tigers after getting into the top ten for the first time this year, uh, having just two losses on the record coming into last week. They then sustained two consecutive losses in the week, first to Alabama, an Alabama team that's now re-entered the top 25 but then to a Mississippi State team who, of course, is going to probably be a bubble team this year. They might end up in the tournament. They may not. It'll just depend. It's too early to tell. Uh, and they ultimately lose to this Mississippi State team in a way that is very ugly. The Auburn-Alabama game in Tuscaloosa was at least a game that was still of similar style to what Auburn's play. Just uh, just could not quite get it done at the end after falling behind at the half. This Mississippi State game was a rock fight. And to be fair, no team really ever got a big lead. Uh, I think the biggest lead in the entire game six. was the the six point margin mm -hmm. at the very end. Yep. Uh, and, and so this was a very close game throughout, which also makes it frustrating because Auburn was never able to sustain five to six consecutive good minutes of basketball, particularly on the offensive end. So, Tom, what do you think about this game, this result, and where you stand, and uh, just if you've adjusted your thinking on this team at all in the last week? Uh, I, I have adjusted my, my feelings a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm not one, I'm not hitting the panic button after the back-to-back -back losses. Cause we all sat here and we said they gave out the warning that Bruce was also giving out the warning. It's like, listen, this team has still got a lot to work on. Things are looking great right now, but some of the better competition is in front of you. Still, there's going to be some losses. <clears throat> there's going to be some adversity. Uh, the biggest thing is how will this team, 
take adversity and and how will that go? Uh, we've heard about how tight and cohesive this team was, and they're all friends and they're unselfish. That works great when you're winning. When the losses start happening and the adversity hits, then that's where you really see what a team is made of. That's where you really see where personalities are made of. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. There's a game. It's Wednesday, right, Vanderbilt? Yes. Wednesday is like the – I mean, that that's the, the worst team in the SEC right now. You get yes. them at home. If there's ever a time to reset, get your S together, and – focus on getting going back the rest of the way that's the one to do it you get them at home you can reset you can kind of you know get rid of whatever has been ailing this team uh it's been several different things that's you know unfortunately when this team was on such a run we were sitting there going wow you can't really find a bad thing with this team right now well over these two losses you're like hmm I can't really find a good thing with this team right now, except for the bench is still the bench against Mississippi State outscored them twenty six to seven. Okay, woohoo! Nobody else was doing anything. Um, rebounding was bad. Your top players uh, outside of Janai Broom. Janai Broom actually had two really good games, but nobody else was really helping him out. Some of the players that you know have been on such a hot streak have suddenly just really not been getting it done in those two games. I mean, looking at this box score, Jalen Williams was early on. I mean, he was playing like he was going to try to be SEC player of the year. I mean, he was playing that well. And he goes measly 3 of 11 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. Yeah, he got 10 points because he was 4 for 4 at the free throw line. But, I mean, he's only 3 of 11 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. You expect more out of Jalen Williams than that. I mean, you just do. Uh, I mean, you look at some of these other, you know, Chad Becker-Mazzara, one for six from the field, one for three from the uh, from three. You've seen him being able to do better than that. Uh, you know, some of these guys have just they've got to play better. Uh, they they've got to play better. They got to shoot better. Uh, Bruce said a lot of those things, and, and he especially talked about you know if you're in that shooting slump, you know, yeah, you're trying to break out of it, but at a certain point, you got to realize that you might be hurting the team more by trying to take some of these crazy shots. So there's that. On the rebounding side of things, I, I think, you know, it's it's a situation that they need to – I don't know if it's a philosophy thing that they need to figure out or exactly what, but, I mean, they're, that team is just so guard-oriented that it feels like even when there's a shot missed, it's like Janai or if Dylan is in there, it's just them trying to get the rebound and everybody else is trying to run. And it's like there's no help on the boards, and so then you're getting out-rebounded. You're getting – you know, other teams are getting second-chance points and things like that. So hopefully they can get things worked out. Uh, you know, there's no panic button. Auburn played two of the worst games they could possibly play, and we're still in both of those. Uh, the Mississippi State game was very ugly. But, again, they only trailed by six. Six was the biggest lead. So, I mean, they were right there in that game. They were right there in that game with Alabama. I mean, you hit one or two shots that you miss against Bama, and you probably win that one. So, um, you know, you just got to chalk it up to to tough road. I mean, you're, you're on the road in the SEC. That's going to be tough. I don't care where you're at. Look around the country. I mean, all these other teams are losing on the road too. Kansas, Kansas just recently got beat. So, 
you know, yeah, don't panic. Uh, it, it was two – they played two of the worst games they could have possibly played and we're still had a fighting chance in them. You just hope that it's not something that uh, turns into, con- into a continuation, that they can get to this Vanderbilt game, get their feet back un- under them, and, and kind of start another run as you get towards the end of the year. And don't let these two losses affect what you have out in front of you. So a couple of things I said after the Bama game that unfortunately were continually true in this game was, A, again, it's it's time to understand Auburn's not a very good three-point team. It's just not. Uh, they yeah. are just slightly better than last year's team. Uh, but last year's team was awful. It was in the right. low 300s. This team is in the mid-200s in three-point percentage. It is not a team that's going to hit a lot of threes, especially not on the road. When you get momentum at home, as any team that's part of home court advantage, yeah, they might have a game where they go 11 to 22 from three. And you're like, okay, here it is. But there's no proof that on the road right now Auburn is going to hit uh, many threes. And so that's where they have to put their inside game to the test. And you were talking a little bit about the performance of Janai Broom and guys that unfortunately had rough nights. This was finally a really bad, and I'd say finally, obviously, in a negative context, this was finally a really bad Dylan Cardwell game. This is the first time that he really, truly played poorly, especially in SEC play. He played only six minutes because of his four fouls, yeah. and he did not have a point or a rebound. So because of that, Janai Broom played about 33 minutes. And I will tell you this, for Janai Broom to only have seven rebounds in 33 minutes, I don't know if the fatigue was there a little bit because you're used to playing 23, 24 minutes because you are usually able to spell him more than that. It's a problem that's not a problem for teams that only play seven or eight players because you're often playing guys 30 to 35 minutes. But if you are very used to playing 20 to 25 minutes as a big guy and you have to go up to nearly 34 and you're playing a physical team, it's not shocking if you get a little worn down there. And so I think that those two things were – Huge in terms of rebounding because Mississippi State absolutely overwhelmed Auburn rebounding. We talked with Steve, I recall, uh, previewing the game that Auburn and Mississippi State coming into the game were within .1 rebounds of each other for a team. Yeah. Like, again, it was essentially the exact same numbers uh, from rebounding, and yet Mississippi State overwhelmed them. If you had no idea what the numbers were coming in, you would thought State was a top 40 or 50 team in the NCAA and Auburn was a bottom 40 or 50 team in the NCAA, and that was not the case coming into the game but when you out rebound somebody the way that Mississippi State did and look you know Auburn did not get overwhelmed by the second chance points it was 12 to 3 I mean that is a difference in a six-point game that was regrettable but it was not like oh my gosh 24 second chance points I have seen much larger totals than 12 before so again they still as they did I think there was a game earlier this year we were talking about the same thing where they recovered I think it was A&M where A&M did a good job against them and Auburn's secondary defense still continued to be pretty good so again their defense was good they did not necessarily finish the possessions as well as they wanted to with the rebounding and then they certainly did not create extra opportunities on their side of things with the rebounding but all in all uh, again the same personnel decisions I'm seeing that are interesting now there was the bit about the new starting lineup because of some sort of violation of team rules i still i don't know if you heard what it was i did not hear exactly what it was I, we probably never will uh but that caused aiden holloway uh and denver jones not to start that caused katie johnson and trey donaldson to start uh and i will say this again i said it after the the bama game but i'll say it with a little bit more force even it's probably time to just stop playing Aiden Holloway at the very end of the game. 
It's con- mm-hmm. it's pretty much time, to, unless, unless it's his big game, unless it's his I've already hit three or four threes, I'm feeling good type of game, it's probably time to just go ahead and the last three to four minutes need to be Trey Donaldson. Now, the playing time still needs to be pretty similar. There's no sort of long-term give up on Aiden Hallway. Don't for a second think I'm saying that. But we have just consistently seen that he has just not been able to obtain the level that we saw at times in non-con play and at times that we see in spurts of these games. And uh, for all the potential he has, he just continues to not be able to string it together, really even for a full game in conference play. And again, it's alarming that from the field he's at 33%. Again, that is an incredibly low percentage. Uh, and, and so my my factor with Trey Donaldson is uh, – is that, again, he's somebody that's not going to actively hurt you. Like, if he's not having his great game, he's not going to take a lot of shots. He might have a couple more turnovers or something. But, like, again, there's not going to be a lot there to be like, oh, man, that's just awful. That's not good. But, unfortunately, when Aiden plays a poor game, it'll be 2 for 8 or 1 for 9 or even 0 for 7, 0 for 8. And that is pretty pretty dang killer uh, at times, especially when you do want him to be aggressive because you know he is capable from three and that sort of thing, and you know that he is able to make a highlight play. That can be pretty costly in close games. And this is two games in a row where they went with Aiden in the last three to four minutes. And I, I'm not saying it was the difference in win or lose, but I will say at the bare minimum that it, it did not help them. It, it probably actively hurt them. So... Uh, look, I'm. This is still a game by game, uh, game by game thing for me, game by game basis, and it's something that you and I, Tom, and I think Cam talked about a few weeks ago. The players that we absolutely thought always should finish no matter what. It, it's not swung the other way either for me. It's not Trey Donaldson no matter what should absolutely finish. But if things are pretty equal or Aiden's not playing well, you've got to be willing to make Trey Donaldson the, the final guy out there for the last three to four minutes because again, I think. Even though the passing numbers are very similar, I think the assist-to-turnover ratio is slightly better for Holloway than it is Donaldson. Donaldson just seems to have a better feel for the right pass at the right time. And then again, he's not going to actively shoot you out of a situation. There's just times towards the end of games where Holloway, he's kind of it's kind of desperation mode. I'm not saying that there's it's always a great situation, but it's desperation mode and it's it's 28 foot threes that are sometimes contested, and it's just like I. You needed to flow and work on something else for a little bit more. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But the general thoughts of the team is, look, it is very disappointing to lose to Mississippi State in that Auburn probably only has one more easier road game. They play at Missouri the next to last game of the year. So it's in the month of March. Everyone else, you know, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, at Florida – uh, at Tennessee for sure. Th- these are tougher teams than Mississippi State. Uh, and, and so the logic is you will have to play f- not just a little better, far better than you did against Mississippi State to win really any of those games except for the Missouri game. So that's a little bit of the danger zone where Auburn's in. Now, I still have full faith in them at home. I think the only one that they have a, uh, a 50-50 shot at losing at home is probably Kentucky. Uh, I think Alabama will give them a game, but I think Auburn will be able to win that one at home too because Auburn's excellent at home. Uh, so, again, this is going to get into the traditional college basketball dilemma. What can you do on the road? You look like a top five or ten team at home, and then you go from there on can you get road wins, can you stay 500 in league play on the road, and that's what differentiates these teams that ultimately – 
get these ones and two seeds in the NCAA tournament versus the fours and fives. It's not that the 18th team in the country can't beat the number one team. It's that they're not going to do it on the road, and they're not going to beat the 30th best team on the road usually. But the top five teams, yeah, they, they can lose on the road to the 10th or 12th team, but they're not going to be losing to non-top 25 teams very often on the road. So uh, maybe maybe here and there because, again, college basketball is wild, but not consistently. So, Again, Auburn falls to 16th in rankings, and that's where you kind of got to readjust it to, even though I did say last week I thought they were playing like a top-10 team. Again, Bama game would not change that in my mind because other teams lost on the road too last week in the top-10, top-12, but you lose the twice, and it's admittedly a tough week. So we're going to go ahead and head to our first timeout of the show. We'll have some more thoughts on Auburn basketball as we move forward. But again, a shortened edition of the show. So when we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. As we head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today in this shortened edition of the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up this afternoon, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Well, guys, I'm feeling much better since I'm not a Detroit fans for uh, football fan. Yeah, that was a rough one. That was a rough one. I mean, good lord, what a choke! Uh, I said, "Gee, uh, Atlanta fans have nothing to worry about anymore because Detroit football just took your place." Oh, I wouldn't say that. I, I still think the 28 to three blown lead in the second half of a Super Bowl. That's that's, that's absolutely still the all-time yeah. all-time worst. But uh certainly for yeah, if you're we're playing against Tom Brady, that was what I'm saying. Oh, I, but this Tom the, Brady did it, you know. I understand, but uh, but at the same time 28 to 3, that's a full another possession lead and it's the Super yeah. Bowl. I, I again, I don't care they were going against the greatest of all time. That's still that's the one that everyone's uh, unless you're a Lions fan. I mean, the Lions fans going to hurt hurt that one the most, but everyone else that's it's still absolutely the Super Bowl. I mean, you'd never been, and I didn't watch the first half, guys. I just saw the scores on my, on my phone. I said, well, I'll be dang. You know, this may, oh, they may go to the Super Bowl. And I decided to turn it on. I guess bad choice on my <laughs> part. And they just fell apart. I mean, they gave up unanswered 20, was it 27 points? Uh, yes. Well, they that, got one field goal. So it was 27 right. to 3, I believe. Or 27 to 10 in the second half. But yeah, 27 yeah. to 3 at one point was the run. Yeah. But my gosh, I mean, you know. I, I feel badly for them. I mean, I saw some reaction of the fans afterwards because I, I know they were panning at CBS to show them. And I said, they, they got to be miserable to think you had it all and then it just vanished. Yeah. I, and the run was 27 nothing. You were correct. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, uh, 
Uh, again, I no doubt about it. it. It's a huge missed opportunity. It's a huge choke. I mean, it, it just is, and, and there are coaching reasons for it. Uh, there's also some bad drops. There was a horrible bounce of the ball where the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk, made a hell of a playoff of. I mean, it, it took a little bit of everything. Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs with fumble, the fumble. Yeah. Where it kind of looked like he may have gone the wrong direction and – the handoff was kind of muffed right there, and, and he never then they screwed. couldn't make a fourth in, in inches. Uh, they had they, they yeah they I mean they missed they missed on two fourth down uh, attempts, uh, which very questionable. Um, you had the drops uh, by the receiving core. You had yeah the the fumble by Gibbs. Uh, it all contributed to that comeback. Um, it was it was pretty stunning to watch. Oh well, on the other hand, at least one of my football teams came. Um, we came through. I was concerned about them, but the Chiefs showed their, their medal. I mean, that third and nine uh, half, I didn't think they were going to do it, and they completed it, and that was, that was the game. But what about was a Sneed who's going for a touchdown, and the ball comes out of his hands right at almost at the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that game right there is now, I mean, it, it's not going to have it. It is having people now question – questioning Lamar Jackson and can he win the big games and I mean he he's been there before but he can't seem to get over that hump and so you have to wonder when but uh yeah Chiefs uh the Chiefs have not really been playing good football but they've gotten hot at the right time Travis yep. Travis Kelsey has gotten hot Kelsey at the right time because he yeah yeah because I mean uh over the last several weeks of the season he was not doing much of anything he looked old I mean, he, he just looked like he was falling off, yeah. Um, well, and I know this for a fact because he was my start. I mean, he was my guy on all my fantasy teams, and I got to the point that I almost had to bench him because he just was not doing – he was Are not giving me, me anything. You were going to bench Kelsey? <laughs> I, I mean, it, I was thinking about it. He was not giving me – he wasn't giving me yards. He wasn't giving me well, touchdown. He wasn't doing anything. And now all of a sudden in the playoffs – He broke Jerry Rice's record. Well, I know. I'm just saying all of a sudden here in the, uh, the last week of the season and then the playoffs – uh, he's he's back to looking like the Travis Kelsey that everybody expects. But yeah, through right. through that part of the the ending part of the regular season, he was not playing well at all, and no, really I nobody agree. on I the agree. Chiefs were playing well. But never, never, never bet against Mahomes. True. And I've already seen the line. I said, "What is going on?" I mean, he even you know, Mahomes said, "Hey, you know, I don't know what's just with uh, the Vegas people, but you know." Don't bet against me. And do you know what his record is, guys, when they're an underdog? Tell us. Ten and one and one. Pretty darn good. And yet, they are the underdogs in the Super Bowl, guys. Yeah, I know it's one and a half right now. So, I mean, that in two weeks, that could change. We'll see. Uh, and it's an interesting well, What would you thought. say the reason is, Ryan, that Vegas has made – the Chiefs an underdog. Well, because I think that the perception of the teams going into the playoffs was that San Francisco was a better football team and that uh, it was probably not too close. Again, I think San Francisco and Baltimore were pretty clear favorites in their conferences despite some challengers. And so what you're betting on is that the team that looked better for a longer period of time is better than the team that now – is playing their best of the year and is looking uh, better at this moment. So it's it's conundrum, and you could prefer either side of it. I'd probably lean Kansas City personally, but again, I again, I, let's not just focus on the last couple of weeks. Again, 
for the majority of the year, San Francisco was valued as a little better team. Well, they may think that, but I saw some stats on it and said, you know, wait a minute. I've got Mahomes. I'll take him sure. over San Francisco's quarterback, and I'll take KC's defense. They pretty much smothered the Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday uh, pretty well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, the Ravens certainly moved the ball. Uh, and they and they missed out on some opportunities because of their turnovers. And again, if you want to blame uh, Baltimore for that or credit Kansas City, I mean, it, again, that could go either way. Uh, but you know, Baltimore had chances. I, I don't think that it was a complete stymie in terms of they just had nothing going for them. I mean, they fumble at the half yard line. They throw a pick in the end zone from the twenty five yard line. Uh, so, I mean, they had some chances in that game, and they did not take advantage of them. But, yeah, Kansas City's defense was the reason. To be quite frank, again, Kansas City's defense was the reason that the Chiefs still were a, a pretty good team overall and, and and made the playoffs in the manner that they did because the way the offense looked at times this year was very un-Mahomes-like and then also just those receivers. But those receivers have finally stepped up. They're protecting Mahomes incredibly well he, he has been hardly touched until late in that game against Baltimore so again they have gotten better they are playing their best right now uh and, and so that's why I think that it's going to be very hard to pick against them but again I just think Vegas is is defaulting to what happened more of the season than just the last couple games okay well if I was a betting man which I'm, I'm taking Mahomes and and their defense. Sure, I probably would as well. All right, moving on to basketball, guys. That that to me was just an abysmal performance, and we all know that. And I read the comments. I heard your comments. They're all well, what I have not heard, guys. Please explain. And I've asked Bruce Pearl this: What is going on with this kind of performance on rebounding? How come we're not the three-point shooting? You know, all I heard during preseason is. We got some some three point shooters. One of them being Denver Jones. Where'd you go, Denver? Where are you, man? Yeah. Okay. So again, the rebounding thing is the new part of this, where uh, it is disappointing. Uh, it has not been common. Uh, again, that was certainly that the the thing that did them in. I feel like uh, in the Mississippi State game, uh, the rebounding with Alabama slightly out rebounded Auburn, but it was not. A huge discrepancy. It was they out rebounded Auburn uh, by five, and then some of these other games, Auburn's just blown these teams out so much that rebounding has not been an issue. But you know, you do start to think a little bit more about it, and you think to yourself that wow, Auburn has played such great defense, and that they have blown these teams out for the most part. That you wonder in closer games, is that something that is going to be exposed? Because Texas A&M did a really good job against Auburn with it, and, and, of course, that was a close one. And then these two close games last week against Alabama, a narrow out rebounding five with just a couple extra offensive rebounds is not a huge deal. Uh, but then Mississippi State certainly was a huge deal with the way they out-rebounded Auburn. So uh, it is, it is I think, probably one of the most realistic concerns of the team as far as three-point shooting. You know, Denver Denver's not giving Auburn the, the volume that they thought they'd get. That's clear. He's uh, for the year about 34 35% from 3 which is above team average it's not amazing but it is above team average so again the the volume is the disappointing part there and I'm still 
somewhat hopeful he will have some productive games ahead. I thought that he's had a couple moments here and there. I think in the Alabama game he had back-to-back buckets, which were pretty big, but couldn't sustain it. So really with Denver, it's about trying to get a 13-15 point game and really sustaining one full really good game. And, of course, I'm hoping that, you know, Coach Pro's going to follow through with what he said about, hey, we need to stop shooting if we can't make them. Well, they weren't doing it again. You know, I kept saying, no, stop it, stop it. You know, you can't do the threes today, you know, because every time we miss a three, we squandered a scoring opportunity. And then what happens? Mississippi State goes down and they score. Uh, we can't ever catch up. And, guys, let me ask you this, too, because I don't know what explains it, but it seems like at times the team was not well-focused. I mean, they were standing around flat-footed, and what in the world are you doing not blocking out after a missed free-throw attempt? Uh, who was it, Matthews, I think? Somebody, anyway, uh, gets his own missed field uh, free-throw attempt and makes a basket. They were, they were just standing around looking at him. I, I, I'll tell you this. There, there were times in that Mississippi. You did see that, right? Well, I, there were times in that Mississippi State game that, that Auburn looked exhausted. They they looked tired. They looked exhausted. Um, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not free throw line. Yeah, I mean, what about it? I mean, I, I, I misses a second free throw tip, and well, nobody revs. We had two three guys around it. They didn't even go for it. Well, he just gets it back and, and makes a basket. No, I know, and those are things that just you just can't have. You've got to have better effort than that on on the boards. But like I said. There were times that that Auburn team just looked tired. They looked exhausted. Uh, they looked beat down. I mean, after a while, you know, the shots aren't falling for you, and you you kind of get in your own head with it. And I mean, that affects everything else. So I mean, you just got to bounce back from it. I mean, it was a bad game. Um, there's not really a lot of positive takeaways from that game. You can look at the shooting, and it was bad. The rebounding was bad. Uh, the turnovers were bad. The fouls were bad. I mean, it was just a bad game, but. You put it in the rearview mirror and you move on to Vandy and get yourself squared away and get back on the right track. See, and I don't, I still, uh, no one's explained to me how come we behave, we, we, we performed that badly. Maybe I drank too much Kool Aid because all, all I've been seeing, everybody's been saying, is we're one of the best, you know, uh, well balanced teams. We have a lot of depth, so we shouldn't be tired, but we were. And I think Mississippi State was that more talented, but they sure. Uh, played like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I said, I, I it's a bad game. I, I mean, it happens. I mean, and it's happening all over the country. I mean, nobody's there's no perfect basketball team out there right now, and it was a bad game. I, I think uh, Mississippi State took the physicality to Auburn and, and just kind of out physical them in a lot of ways, kind of like Alabama did. Alabama was, uh, you know, a lot more physical. Um, and, and you know, I mean, yeah, it's just it it, it was a bad game. I mean, it's not something they went out there and tried to do. They, they just it things didn't work out for them. It was a bad game, and you move on from it. Try to learn from it and move on. Well, here's what Mr. Dylan Cardwell said about the game uh, on social media. I don't know if you may have seen it. It says, we all fall short. Just a matter of how you'll respond. Well, Dylan, I hope you and your teammates have a answer to how you're going to respond. But we still are being respected, guys, by those people who – I do all the stats. The bracket matrix has us today as still being a three seed. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. Auburn's still ranked in every one of the top 25s. All their computer metrics are still up there very high. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA rankings, net rankings, he's interrupting, uh, we're number nine. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, these these, these are games. Ken Palms. Yeah. We're number seven. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, people are st- people are not the people that study this thing and study the numbers and everything with it. They're not jumping off the Auburn bandwagon. I mean, yeah, it's not as hype as it was where people were like thinking, you know, this is a Final Four team. I think some people have backed off that a little bit, but I mean, there's still a lot of national expectations there. Look, this Mississippi State team beat Tennessee. That yeah. this is not a bad Mississippi State team. I get they're not in the top twenty-five. Mississippi State beat Tennessee, who is arguably the best team in the SEC right now. This Mississippi State team beat them. So, this was not a bad team that Auburn got beat by, and it was on the road in their place. People understand that. Alabama game. Alabama's a really good team. There's not a lot of folks that are going to go into into Tuscaloosa and beat that Alabama team, and Auburn was not able to do it. So people are not just jumping away and jumping off the cliff over this Auburn team right now. They understand that, it was, yeah, I mean, it was two losses and you hate to see it, but they're going to happen. It's happening to everybody else. Like I said, Kansas just lost to Iowa State. I mean, there's no reason Kansas should have lost to Iowa State, but they went to Ames and they got beat. You know, some of these other top teams are getting beat. Kentucky, Kentucky got run out of the gym by South Carolina. South Carolina is not supposed to beat them. But it happened, so yeah. It's just it. They had a bad game. It's been a it's been a bad stretch of games for Auburn. The one positive to look at is the fact that they played two of the worst games they could have possibly played, and were really one shot or maybe two shots away from winning both of them, and just so, couldn't get the shots to fall. We have how many road games left? Is it seven? Uh, they should. They've already played four. They should have five road games uh, remaining. Yeah. So realistically. How many of those old games do you think we will win? Probably, I would go one or probably two. I'd say probably two. I think they'll beat Missouri, and then you've got old. I think they'll lose to Tennessee, and then the three in question would be uh, Ole Miss, Georgia, and Florida. And I think they'll win one of those. Ouch. Oh, that's okay. that's about everybody though. Yeah, that that's again. People be, are not be concerned. Yeah. Be concerned if Auburn loses at home to someone other than Kentucky. That that that's, that's when you that's should be you should, concerned. Yeah. Okay, and guys, you do not know uh, what happened over the weekend. I guess with the tennis coach uh, being fired, and then the assistant coach resigned. I, other than the fact that it happened, don't know. I I haven't heard rumor, speculation, nothing. It just it's one of those things that happened. None of the beat writers seem to know what happened, or at least they've not saying what's happened. It's just one of those things that's like, there it is. There's the official news, and nobody's saying anything else about it. So, don't now know. I'm reading, now I'm reading, guys. I don't know if you know something uh, any more clarified or, or credible that Charles Kelly may end up being our defensive coordinator. Yeah, I've, I've seen some speculation on that. Um, Chris Kiffin is still the name, I think, uh, is kind of front of the list that Hugh Freeze wants to go after. But as we have talked about on the show before, there's a lot of thought that he does not want to leave the NFL because uh, the time that he's able to spend with family in the offseason, whereas in college it, it is all year long. Whether you know During the season you got that going on, but then it's recruiting nonstop. Maybe he doesn't want to leave the NFL, but I think he's top of the list. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen with that. It may be getting time, though, that, he's, that Hugh Freeze is just going to have to make a decision, and it might be that – they go ahead and take the uh, co thing off of Charles Kelly 
and then hire another guy as just an assistant. Okay. Sorry, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to my uh, attempts to make sense of what I just can't make sense of with our basketball team. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll calm myself down and do what uh, everybody else is being told about Dylan Cardwell. You know, we all fall short, and hopefully uh, they'll find a way to fix this stuff and turn it around. All right, guys, you all have a safe afternoon and evening. And, again, you're appreciated for the time you always give me. So until tomorrow, where are you guys? Where you'll see, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to go ahead and take one final time out here in the first hour of the show. Again, reminder, we are getting off air around 4.30 today because of Borgard High School basketball. One more time out here in hour number one, back to wrap up the first hour right after this. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday. About five or so minutes left here in the opening hour. And again, a reminder that Borgard High School basketball coming up at 5 o'clock, girls and boys basketball. So we're getting off there about 4.30, 4.40, somewhere in there. And so, again, just want to remind everyone of that. As the basketball season in high school starts to wind down, we got the area tournament schedules today, so we'll be having some of those area tournament games here on our family of stations this weekend, Friday, Saturday, maybe Monday of next week. So uh, all those are kind of happening as the basketball season starts to head towards the postseason. Uh, appreciate the call from Retire Ward AM Steve on the other side of that timeout. Uh, talked about several things there since we've already talked some basketball let's again update the defensive coordinator search because again we updated a couple times each week and kind of leave it alone because there's not been a whole lot happening on that front but there was one or two more murmurings this weekend that were a little bit newer and Steve mentioned the first of that and that is that there is a possibility that Charles Kelly just ends up being flat out the defensive coordinator just depending on uh, on what happens here with Kiffin, I think Durkin's still involved. Um, I, I, I think that, though, at this point, okay, well, as we just try to follow along, we're, the, we're, we're kind of chasing the rabbit that's going on the inside right. of the, the horse track, basically. Uh, basically, Chris Kiffin has probably not told them anything yet, is what I'm kind of gleaning from that. We were under the assumption last week that, hey, you know, he's – been out of the playoffs for a week. There's still nothing. You know, maybe he's already told him no, that sort of thing. Well, now it's, I mean, his name is still here. So, in my view, that means, okay, there's still not been an answer. Uh, but so Kiffin is still very much in play. 
Uh, but then as far as far as Charles Kelly, it seems like, you know, we mentioned a guy like Arnett way earlier in the cycle, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago at this point. It seems like if it's not Kiffin or Durkin, now the prevailing thought is it would then just be Charles Kelly and they will hire someone underneath him rather than alongside of him. Right. Uh, is that something you would be interested in, Tom, if Kiffin and Durkin, like power rank, what what's the process for you here? Is Kiffin the one followed by Durkin, followed by just elevation of Kelly? Is there another name that you really wish would get back in the conversation? Where are you at on it? Uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings. So, you know, with, with the Chris Kiffin – deal i i like the i like the defensive knowledge and everything that he brings in there i just i question the recruiting and i question the desire to recruit and things like that because uh, again like i said when you spend time in the nfl you kind of you kind of get used to that lifestyle and a lot of times it's hard to break out of that so i mean you yeah i mean the defensive mind part of it is there but i you know I don't know about the recruiting. Um, with uh, with Durkin, I'm just I'm kind of meh on Durkin. I I, I think it should be either Kiffin uh, does it or Kelly just has the co removed off. I think that's what I would rather have. Um, you know, if you if you remove the uh, if you just make Charles Kelly just the defensive coordinator, I think I would be perfectly fine with that. He's he's again one of the top recruiters, a very good defensive mind. You know he's got the recruiting aspect going because that's just part of him. That's what he does. And then that allows you to bring in another assistant, and that could also be somebody that, you know, is a very valuable resource on the recruiting trail as well. So that's kind of, I think that it I, – I, I think for the betterment of everything, both defensive-mindedness and the recruiting aspect, I think Charles Kelly is the way to go. Now, if you really want, I think, the better defensive guy than – and maybe sacrifice some of the recruiting, then I think Kiffin is, is the guy for that job. But I think if it was just me, I mean, I, it's kind of getting to that point where it's, you know, poop or get off the pot. And I I think it's – I think you guys got to have to pull the trigger on that now, you know, very soon and not have to just keep sitting or waiting for whatever you're waiting on. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to know, and maybe we'll never know exactly what, the holdup is on maybe Kiffin's side of things or or Auburn's side of things if they not formally offered it to one person. But, again, I just keep going back to uh, saying it weeks ago when both coordinating jobs were open that there was not a, a rush about it, you know, and, uh, and there did not really need to be a rush about it. Again, I've said it a few times where you did not have a recruiting cycle active since these hires were needing to be made, the December cycle had passed. And I think that when you're looking at it pretty much, that's why college coaching carousels move so quickly as compared to the NFL where there's still a couple head jobs vacant is that you're trying to recruit other people's rosters, your own roster, the high school ranks, portal, just everything. But if you're in between times, on those cycles, then that kind of reasoning for why December moves so fast with the carousel, that kind of leaves you. And then it's a not it's not a huge issue. And so again, I would ask you what would you be intensely recruiting right now, and especially defense side of the ball. Offensively, you were still trying to get a look at Ryan Williams until he committed that recommitted to Alabama last week. 
But defensively, there's not a huge target that Auburn's been going after. And sure, they could fill in a couple players here and there off the portal. That's guys already there. But again, portal's closed unless you're a, a team that went through a coaching change at the head level. So uh, I, I'm I'm still good with them figuring out this process, not rushing to the conclusion. I know it's probably frustrating for some, uh, but again, it's kind of been the same names, and I, I get the sense of okay, sure, you know what is the holdup with each individual guy, but at the same time, this is this is late January. Uh, the the portal is not open for new players. You, what you already know what's in there, and I think at this point, most of these teams have already gotten what they wanted out of the portal. Therefore, most of these teams are going to look about what they do right now in terms of spring ball and getting spring practice and then a spring portal cycle will open up and you'll have more of the high school recruiting but specifically you'll have that portal window open again and then you try to find a second wave of portal guys based off of your spring needs we are out of time for hour number one again a shortened hour number two is we're going high school basketball be on the airwaves prior to five o'clock today so we're getting off air around 4 30 or 4 40 Final hour of Sports Call is straight ahead. Stay tuned. This Monday edition of Sports Call continues in a moment. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Again, reminder, we're getting off air about 4.30 today because Borgard High School basketball gets underway around 5 o'clock uh, with one of, the, one of their final regular season games of the year. I believe we have one more on Thursday, so that will shorten that show as well. Uh, but, again, we've got about half hour to go. Best and worst of the weekend will be coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we do have a brief moment here before best and worst, though, uh, to go ahead and talk just a little bit about those conference championship games that we saw yesterday between Detroit, San Francisco, and then Baltimore and Kansas City. Uh, Tom, and I'll let you go wherever you want to go here. Which game interested you more? Thought the bigger story was. What do you want to go with there? Uh, the the to me it was that that nightcap with the the Lions, uh, and just I mean the just the the come apart. Uh, I mean that's the best way you could describe that is it was a come apart in the second half of that game. They get I mean they're up fourteen to nothing before you could even think really about what was happening, and then it just kept going and going and going and. I mean, you're sitting there looking at that game in the first half. You're like, good Lord. It's like the Lions are about to do this thing. They're about to go to the Super Bowl. They are about to run the 49ers out of their own stadium. Goodness gracious. Because 
the Lions offense, they, they were doing any and everything that they wanted to to that San Francisco defense. They were, they were gashing them on the ground, gashing them through the air. They were getting the stops on defense. I mean, it was just – it was happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you start kind of getting, a you know, one or two little things going bad, and then you have the, the miraculous bounce off the face mask catch, uh, and that kind of gets the Niners in it. And then you have a fumble. Um, but my biggest takeaway from that game, uh, as everybody is mentioning, is, is Dan Campbell and some of the decisions that he made. Um, he potentially leaves six points on the field uh, with going for it on fourth down, uh, and he, they don't make those. So you have to wonder you know, what the deal is there. I, I get the whole analytics thing. There's that. You know, but they leave six point potentially six points on. There's nothing saying that their kicker is going to knock those field goals through, but still, I mean, that's six points potentially that you leave out there. Uh, and then at the end of the game, you know, a, a questionable run call on third down where you have to burn a timeout. That now you don't have the timeouts where you know once you uh, once you don't recover that onside kick, then that's it. I mean, you can't stop the clock at all. I mean. If you throw on third down, you still at least give yourself a chance to maybe get the ball back and do something miraculous. But um, Dan Campbell made some extremely, extremely questionable decisions in that game that I, I think really cost the Lions. And I feel bad for the Lions uh, fan base. Uh, I mean, it's heartbreaking for them. They've never been to a Super Bowl before, and it was right there in their hands. And couldn't do it. But uh, that also just shows you that the 49ers are, are good. Goodness gracious, I, I made the, a joke uh, in a text that I sent out to, to all of us and called him Brock Mahomes. Uh, I mean, I know Brock Purdy can run the ball. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's no Tom – he's not Tom Brady, uh, you know, sitting back there. And he's obviously definitely no Patrick Mahomes. But good heavens. That, that dude that – For dude, a half it looks – Immaculate. Yeah. I uh, I mean, goodness gracious, dude. I mean, just fleet of foot and just, I mean, picking up huge chunks of yardage on the ground with his feet. Like, goodness yeah. gracious. Brock Purdy is just running for his life. I mean, and the Niners made, they made the plays that they needed to. Uh, they got the very fortunate bounce uh, on one that could have been intercepted and it bounces off the guy's face mask right to uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon, Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. And, yeah. Uh, so that was that one. That was that was a very very good game. Uh, the other one I was really busy. I caught the beginning of the game and then I tried to keep track of it on Twitter as I was doing stuff with the fire station and got back and saw the end of it. My biggest takeaway from that game is that uh, the Chiefs have kind of figured it out right here in the postseason, which is when it matters. Uh, you know, obviously, you have to do well enough in the in the uh, regular season to get to the postseason. With the Chiefs, did but you know they were not playing a good brand of football at all. And all of a sudden, here in the playoffs, they're looking like the Chiefs that you thought they were going to be. Um, and, and then the other side of that with the Ravens is like everybody's questioning with Lamar Jackson. I mean, we know he's a great quarterback. He's he's probably going to win MVP this year. Um. Uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. He's one of the most electric playmaking quarterbacks in the NFL. But on the biggest stages, he's not getting it done. 
and he made a terrible pass into triple coverage that got intercepted. Um, and the Ravens just they they didn't get it done. So now the focus is going to be on the Super Bowl, and here we are with Chiefs and Niners again, right? Which we will have plenty of time to yeah. digest. As and we and now, by. of course, all the all the Swifty haters are going to be cheering for the Niners. Yeah, uh, I don't want to worry about that part of it. Uh, I know, I was, but that's what people are talking um, about. So, 49ers-Lions, which is the game we started with, um, if you're a Lions fan, it just checked every single box in terms of meltdown. Yeah. Like, if you want name every unfortunate or bad thing that can happen, okay? 49ers make a great tip ball play, like a kind of a blend of luck and unbelievable skill to dive for it, but, you know, kind of a luck play. You have a bad coaching decision or three. Mm-hmm. You have a turnover and that fumble. You have dropped passes, so your own mis-execution. You have Purdy doing things that he normally does not do in terms of his legs. Right. I mean, it just checked every box in the second half. And it kind of has to to blow a, a, a three-score lead. And it was to the point where – like even though the the game was still very much hanging in the balance, I was sitting there watching the second half with some friends at a restaurant up in Birmingham, which again that's gonna be my best of the weekend here in just a little bit. And it just felt like there was no way the Lions were gonna figure it out to win it. Even though I mean it was tied for a possession. The 49ers then went down and only got a field goal. So the Lions had two possessions where it was either tied or just down three. And then it was another of those coaching decisions. So if you know Dan Campbell at all, you know this is what he does. And this is a lot of the reason the Lions are here. I mean, they have gone for a lot of fourth downs this year. They are as aggressive as a football team has got. Look, that's what caused the controversy in that Cowboys game a couple weeks before the end of the season. Remember, they went for two. Yep. That's an inherently aggressive decision to go for two instead of just taking the overtime uh, in a game like that. And, and so that's who he is. However... It's 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 where you really have to pick a side here. Do you all are you always who you are and you never change, or do you understand that there are different needs in different moments, right? And so you there's one school of thought that says that's who Dan Campbell is. That's how they got there. You keep rocking with it. But there's the other school of thought that says there's some decisions that just are got to be a little bit different in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And the the two decisions in particular, the ones to not kick the field goals. Let me go through those both, and I, I will not have time if I do that to go through the Kansas City game, but, hey, we're on the show tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the first decision. So, again, it was 24-7 at half. The 49ers kick a field goal. So that's productive. It cuts it to two scores, but it's not overly concerning yet. It's 24-10. Sure. And so the Lions have a decision on fourth and two at the 9 or 28. So that's going to be about a 45-46 yard field goal. And obviously they decide for go for it and don't get it. I I, I hope I, again I you can ask Christian or JJ former guys on the show. Obviously JJ the host. Christian was on the show for a while because I was watching the game with them. You can ask them. And I said as it was happening before they even snapped the ball, don't do that. Kick the field goal because the value in increasing the lead back up to three possessions. Because at that point you will have played. About half the quarter. It was a four-minute drive for the 49ers, and it was a four-minute drive for the Lions. So you're about seven minutes left in the third quarter. And if you kick the field goal and make it, 
then the 49ers have not eaten into your lead at all right. in half a quarter. And and so the value in increasing the lead from a two-possession to a three-possession game is huge. If you were only up 10, I get it. You're, you're, you're thinking, man, I can get beat by two touchdowns if I just kick the field goal and all that. And, and, and maybe it's still even early to be thinking about that in the third quarter, but like at least there's some school thought like the only way to get this back up to three possessions is if we go score a touchdown. But, again, make the 49ers go the length of the field and score a touchdown on their own because also by stopping, you the, uh, stopping it, that also gives them so much more momentum because it's a human thing that numbers will never understand. When momentum flips, even if the score is still on one team's favor, if that momentum flips, you feel it. And humans respond to it because you just feel something is changing. And it's one of those things you can't put a number behind it. You can't put it in a computer and say, here's a momentum score. No, it's just something that you feel if you are a sports fan or you are an athlete that you can just field field level and just in a building that the tides are turning. So by not doing that, look, numbers might have said fourth and two, go for it. But by not taking it the three possessions and giving San Francisco the thought, we've already won the first eight minutes because we've been, we've eaten to the lead a little bit. We've stopped you and we've got the ball back after a failure of yours. That's momentum. Okay, so that's the first flaw. Again, make it a three-score game. Tell San Francisco you have played half of this quarter and you've gained nothing. Right. So that's the first mistake. The second decision is the 27-24 to 24 decision. The 49ers, you know, they had that great Ayuk play. They forced a fumble. They scored quickly. It's tied. They forced another punt with a couple drop passes. Then the 49ers aren't able to quite cash in with a touchdown. They have to take the field goal. It's 27-24. So we're... Uh, in the fourth quarter now, still got several minutes, though. And it's 27-24. Again, you have the similar decision, fourth and three at the 30, knowing you've not all, you've already not gotten us fourth and short in the game. And, and again, here's the thinking. The thinking is this. They had uh, about seven and a half minutes left in the game when this happened. That's enough time to where I can guarantee you pretty much both teams will get the ball one more time. Like, there are two possessions left in this game. And the only way that the Lions are absolutely sunk is if this drive is empty and the 49ers' next drive is a touchdown because that makes it a two-possession game. Again, it's about possessions at this point, especially when you only have two total possessions left in the game. With seven and a half to eight minutes left, you're not really worried about San Francisco's possession ending the game. It would have to be three yards in a cloud of dust like 12 times, or else the game will not end with them having the ball and kicking a little field goal. And so the thought is, kick the field goal, tie the game, put more game pressure on them, and then guarantee yourself, even if you give up the touchdown, you will have at least a couple of minutes to go make it back up. Because you saw the Lions scored in two minutes. I mean, they went right down the field, even with the blunder of running the ball on the goal line and getting stopped and having to call a timeout. They still scored in two minutes. So you would at least had a chance with some timeouts and a minute or two or three, no matter what the 49ers did, to then go and retie it. And so they, again, went with the aggression. And, look, if you get it, awesome. I mean, again, great. But also I want to tell you, too, it wasn't even as simple as fourth and goal at the three. 
Because I'll give you this. I probably would have gone fourth and goal from the two or the three. Maybe not the five, but the two right. or the three, like a two-point conversion play. Because the logic there is, okay, if we stop them, I mean, they're backed up. They can't be aggressive. We stop them when you get great field position. Uh, and they're going to have a tough time moving the ball outside the, our own goal line. And you then get great field position, you get it right back. Something in, in that regard, I can at least see. But also with fourth and three at the 30, you get the first down. That doesn't guarantee you the touchdown. Like I know that seems like such a captain obvious statement, but fourth and goal at the two or three, it's touchdown or they're starting at the two-yard line. Fourth and three at the 30, oh, they're starting at the 30. It's like they got a touchback plus an offsides on the kickoff. Like, that's completely fine field position versus, oh, we're backed up at our own two or three. It's not like we're going to be play-action deep ball. That'd be a little gutsy. Right. So every way you slice it, I feel like, yes, I get it. That's who he is. It's what he's done. And I, I get be true to yourself, blah, blah, blah. But these were two decisions where the moment dictated you could not afford certain things, and the absolute worst part of those equations came true. You've got to take the opportunity to, to stretch things to a whole nother possession if you can, and you've got to make the opportunity to give yourself a shot if things don't go wrong, and they didn't do it either time. And it's like in basketball. Okay, you're up two. There's 10 seconds left. Well, I don't want to give up points, but if I have to give something up, I'll give up a two, and we'll play five more minutes. But the one thing that can beat me is a three. Right. I can't give that up. And that's why the uh, that's why the Lions should have kicked that field goal then because the one thing you cannot do is go empty possession, give up touchdown because that will eliminate you from the game, and that's exactly what happened. So yeah. that that is why I hated those decisions. There are other things that happened. The Lions dropped passes. They they had the fumble. Those are not Dan Campbell faults. Again, this is not entirely Dan Campbell stuff, but those decisions are obviously ones that we're contemplating relentlessly because. That it's such it's such a turning point in the game both times, and it's the things that we always question: what you do and that sort of thing. So that that's the stuff. I don't know if you have any more on that game before you had to break or not. Nah, I mean you you pretty much covered it all. But yeah, I mean it it was a meltdown, and like you said, about every way that you could possibly melt down in a game, uh, the coaching staff meltdown. Jameer Gibbs with the fumble where it looked like they kind of went in the the wrong way. Him and Golf looked like they were not on the same page and uh, kind of ran into each other, and so he never really had a good hold on the ball as he got into the pile and it got knocked out. The one, the same guy dropped two yep. crucial, crucial passes. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they did everything that they could possibly do to lose that game on, yep. on, on the sideline and on the field. Yep, absolutely. And tomorrow's show, I, I do want to give more credit to San Francisco. We'll talk about sure, that side yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah because I know that was about seven or eight straight minutes of Lions, what are you doing? Right. But also it's kind of like Lions, what are you doing? So tomorrow we'll give the San Francisco side of thing. We'll have a little bit more on the Kansas City-Baltimore side of things. But we are about out of time for the show. One final time out in this Monday edition of the show. Again, Borgard basketball coming up in about a half hour or so. So when we come back, best and worst of the weekend to wrap things up on this Monday here live on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Want more Sports Call? 
Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday as we already start to wind down this Monday edition of the program. Only about six or seven minutes remaining because of Borgard High School basketball, which will be on our airways Monday, which of course today and Thursday of this week. So we're getting off air in just a few minutes to be able to sort things out and get ready for that Borgard broadcast. So as we do each and every Monday towards the end of the show, it is time for Best and Worst of the Weekend. Now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst No, no, no! of the weekend. Usually this is done around 5.30 or so, but again, with us going off air in a few minutes, let's go ahead and get to it. So Tom, Best and Worst of the Weekend. You can start however you please. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go worst and I'll just keep it kind of simple. I mean, Auburn basketball, uh, I tell you what, I, I'll go one better instead of just a worse. Instead of just an overall worse, I'll just say Jalen Williams against uh, against Mississippi State. Um, played twenty six minutes, three of eleven from the field, zero for four from three. He was four for four from the line. Uh, pulled down five rebounds, only ten points, two personal fouls. I mean, you know, the biggest thing is three for eleven. A guy that has been. Uh, playing some of the hottest basketball that you could possibly ask a a guy to do. And uh, two games in a row have been really bad for him, but, I mean, that's really bad. A guy that can score just about any sort of way that you could imagine, 3 of 11 and 0 for 4 from 3. So, uh, I mean, yeah, overall bad, just worse for Auburn. But, I mean, if you really want to break that down, I mean, when your top player, arguably top player, has a game like that, Tough win. That that's a that's a that's definitely a worse of sure. the weekend. I will say though, I mean, the whole point of balance and depth is that you can sustain right something like that. Sure. So there were other performances that certainly did not uh, did yeah. not recover. Well, that Dylan Cardwell was yeah. about as bad. You mentioned that. I mean, yeah. he played six minutes, had zeros all the way across the board, and then four personal fouls. Yeah, like yeah, great game there, buddy. <laughs> It happens sometimes. Yeah, but it was yeah. very unfortunate it all happened at one time, and that's why Auburn only scored 58 in Starkville. My worst of the weekend, I'm going to take Brooks Childress's worst. He's not on the show today. He's usually not on the show on Mondays unless I'm not here. Uh, but he came, in here, he came in here with a worst, and I agree with it. I did too. Uh, Rodney Terry in Texas continue to just be uh, very petulant about horns down. <laughs> the latest coming this weekend was BYU students – uh, on the front row, their student section all had shirts that spelled out "horns down." And then BYU was that was that BYU. Uh, BYU uh, PA announcer came on and said that they had to remove the shirts, and or that else they would be removed from the game. Which again, I I just don't know why Texas is so fragile about this. But I'm going to break the news that it's going to be far worse in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, there's not going to be a single fan base that lets Texas not get a horns down in yeah. football, basketball, or anything. Uh, so they are being a little bit silly they're about being a this. Lot, they're being a lot. Uh, they're silly. being a lot silly about this. I, yeah. I minimize some things. They're being very silly about a lot this. Thin skinned. And uh, of course, the Rodney Terry part. I could go from a couple weeks ago when uh, he was getting actively mad at the players on the court. I forgot who was playing them that beat them. And he was telling them that was disrespectful to stop doing that, like to their faces. Yeah. Again, dude, 
like, how about the coach the team better and not lose? Don't get cooked. I don't know. Like again, there if that if that's how they're going to feel about it when they get in the SEC, uh, Texas is just going to be just mind-numbingly mad their entire tenure in the league because that that's going to happen times ten in the SEC. So that's my worst. We can grow up. Horns down's not offensive. We'll no. get over it. Uh, best of the weekend. Oh man, I, you know I, I'll I, I'll be very kind of it's not vague but just kind of very simplistic uh i mean that 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 lions 49ers game that that was that was what playoff football is about and that was a a great game uh obviously not a great game if you're a lions fans a, a great first half if you're a lions fan an absolute saddening you know saddening and maddening second half but as just a football fan watching that, that was a very, very good football game all the way around to watch a team come back. Uh, teams that were down 17 points in conference playoffs games were 21-0, and 0, I think I saw. And so that's how historic that comeback was. I mean, nobody had ever done that in, in the conference championship game until the Niners just did it. Um, so uh, – and then, and then, of course, you know, the Lions, even with all their flubs and everything, they still gave themselves a chance uh, with an onside kick. And it wasn't mean, a bad one. It wasn't a bad one. The guy did touch it uh, before he got to 10 yards, uh, you know. It, but the fact is, it still yeah. came down to yeah. an onside yeah. kick. So there were still a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of anxious moments, even right there as the Lions had this whole thing slipping away from them. They still scored a touchdown late. Still had a chance with an onside kick to try to make something even more ridiculous happen. It was just a f- good football game. Uh, and to watch Brock Purdy do what he did, that goodness gracious. I, yeah. I had no idea that he could run like that, but apparently he can. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And maybe good. never again, but and, for Lions fans, <laughs> right there at Jesus. the wrong time. I, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean – Pocket breaks down, and next thing you know, dude's running. Dun, for, dun, 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 there he goes, dun, dun, running dun. for forty yards. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, what in the heck is happening right now? Yeah. So it was Rough. a good football game and a good way to wrap out the yeah uh, the weekend. I'm glad we got a couple close ones because remember the first two rounds right. of the playoffs, there was a they few were, blowouts. Yeah, there, they were so. kind of yeah, but dull. it got progressively better as the postseason went on, and hopefully the Super Bowl would be great too. Yeah. Uh, my best of the weekend got the opportunity to go up to Birmingham on Sunday. With a few of my best friends in the whole world, uh, we uh, my birthday's coming up in a couple weeks, and for my birthday, uh, I was given four tickets to the UAB and Memphis game. And of course, you you all know that huge UAB guy grew up in the city of Birmingham, growing up to UAB and uh, football and basketball games. So uh, around that time was when UAB and Memphis had a true rivalry going, both basketball and football. Their football. Uh, rivalry is called the Battle for the Bones, which is awesome. They literally get a bronze rack of ribs, <laughs> and then basketball is uh, is has been pretty fierce there because of Gene Bartow starting the yeah. UAB program after coaching then Memphis State. So to get up to go to the Bar- Bartow Classic, see UAB knock off Memphis as UAB is finally back in the same conference with, Men- with Memphis was awesome. Obviously had some great food in between that game too, but I uh, was really really excited to be back at Bartow. Most of the uh, why I cherish going to the Bucks game so much is because when I'm here, I'm in an Auburn game, I'm working in a professional capacity covering the game, so you can't be a fan part of it. So to get to go to some of these other places and be a true fan and yell and scream like other fans is awesome, and I cherish it greatly. I miss it. 
uh, pretty often. And so to get to do that for a UAB Memphis game, a game that matters a lot to UAB and to the Bartow family, uh, I certainly had a great weekend. That was my best of the weekend. Final moment of the show, a real quick nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Do want to get this in. Number seven, Duke travels to Virginia Tech, 6 o'clock on ESPN, the last game before the Blue Devils play the Tar Heels this weekend in the best rivalry in college basketball. Nah, 6 o'clock ESPN 2, number nine, LSU goes to Mississippi State. Also, women's college basketball, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. It's Auburn after a week hiatus taking on Georgia. And then two movie picks, 7 o'clock AMC, it's Moneyball, and 7.20 on Freeform, it's National Treasure 2, and that is Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide. Presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer, and that will do it for this shortened edition of the show on this Monday. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here, and we will see you again tomorrow. I will be here. Indeed, indeed. Again, that will do it for the show. We will have a full show tomorrow and Wednesday, so get ready for that. We'll have more thoughts on the conference championship games on Auburn, Mississippi State, and everything else going on in the world of sports. For Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy Borgard basketball, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.